0: I'm Kim Sujavalski, and I'm your host here at the Brownwell Podcast, a place in which every week we talk about delicious food, about making more vegan choices no matter where you are along the way. And because food is never just about the food, I'll support and guide you to a happier, kinder, and more mindful relationship with that wonderful moment of eating. Are you ready? Lace up those trainers if you're going for a walk, or grab a cup of coffee, get comfy on the couch. And listen in. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Bramble Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today for another very special interview episode. Today, we have a very special guest on the show a dear friend and writer, blogger, and a passionate vegan to talk about transitions, transitioning to veganism, transitions in work and life, and how we can keep ourselves in mind when making big changes, doing things at our own pace, finding the resources that will help. We talk about how the pandemic caused so many changes in our lives and why as content creators and even just as regular people with regular jobs, our interests change, and pivot how it is in fact a common reaction to difficult times to follow them up with a big burst of daring and of change. We talk about the vegan movement through the years, ex-vegans expanding compassion to other areas of our lives, and so much more. Think of it like a conversation between two friends over chocolate-covered waffles as we once did in real life, talking passionately about Taking the road less traveled and how cool it is to be kind. Caitlin Gaylor Unti runs vegan lifestyle blog The Vegan Word, which you can find at theveganword.com, where she writes about vegan travel, fashion, and food. She's also the author of two vegan travel books, The Essential Vegan Travel Guide and The Barcelona Vegan Guide, and her work has been featured in The New York Times, Vegetarian Living and Vegan Food and Living. You can connect with Caitlin through her website. Like I said, it's theveganword.com. You can reach out to her and follow her on Instagram, where she is at theveganword. She's on Facebook. She's on Twitter. She's everywhere. And she's here today to talk about all things transitions, and I find her so inspiring and such a fun advocate for animals and for this way of living. I hope you love and enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And before we get started, here's a little note from our sponsor for today's show. This episode is brought to you by our online course, The Roadmap. The Roadmap is a 21-day course that will help guide the way if you're newly vegan, thinking of becoming vegan, or wanting to take more steps in this direction. Module by module, we take you by the hand through every step, covering topics like finding your motivation and having the right mindset when making this change, to how to build a balanced plate, how to shop, prep, stay on budget, plan your meals, travel, get organized, and navigate every social situation as a vegan and so many others. There is no stone left unturned in this course, and we do it all with that approach that you love so much, in which missteps are welcome and there is no such thing as perfection. And of course, it includes the most delicious recipes and menu ideas. There's so much more included in this course, so head on over to brownbull.com forward slash the roadmap to watch our video trailer, to see the full list of modules, lessons and recipes, pricing and more. Again, that's brownbull.com forward slash the roadmap. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me on. You are so very welcome. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. I think that the first person I thought of when I was thinking of starting the interviews for the podcast, uh, you were just like among the top three people that I wanted to interview. Oh. I love your blog. I love your thoughts on veganism. We're going to get into that a lot today. But first, I want you to kind of share with our listeners where you're from and where you're joining us from today. Yeah. So
1: I was born in the US, um, in the Midwest, in Illinois, a few hours away from Chicago, definitely meat and potatoes country, uh, but I was actually brought up vegetarian. Wow. Yeah. Since birth? Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's great. Yeah.
1: Yay for uh Caitlin's parents. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was unusual back then, you know? It wasn't it wasn't as common as now being vegetarian. So especially in the Midwest, there were a lot of times we went out to restaurants and it was just like there was one veggie option on the menu. Um, So, yes, I was born there and then I moved to London in 2008. I lived there for about 10 years and now I'm based in Barcelona, Spain. How long have you been in Barcelona? Uh, Since 2019. So a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. So you were like right before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Yes. You had made this (laughs) huge move. Uh, That's very impressive. Um, And that must have been quite an experience to start (laughs) in a new city uh,
1: at that time. Wow. Yeah, It was strange timing, but I had actually, I'd lived here for a bit sort of during my time in London. I came here for a year and then I went back to London. So I knew the city. It wasn't just like, (laughs) yeah, that would have been
0: quite intense. (laughs) Very intense. Um, Yeah. So we met in person in London. You took me. Out to have the best waffles I have ever had. What was the name of that place in London where everything is made of chocolate? For
1: anyone who is visiting London, we just at least have to like insert a plug here for that place. It's called Copper House Chocolates. The nearest tube station is Angel and if you're in London or you're going to London, definitely check them out. It's amazing. It's just a whole chocolate menu, chocolate covered waffles, chocolate cakes, chocolate, hot chocolate, chocolate ice cream so good
0: it was so good such a lovely place and your beloved Benito who um, people will get to know once they follow you on social media (laughs) he is the cutest dog he was there with us and uh, he's part of the interview today you might hear him (laughs) in the background he is just the sweetest guy Um, so Caitlin We are going to talk a lot about transitions today, life transitions, transitioning into veganism, transitions within the vegan movement. Oh my goodness. So many things. But of course, the, I mean, like the first question I have to ask you is how was your transition into being vegan? You've been vegan for over a decade, Mm. um, (laughs) on about what, 12 years, maybe at this point or more, um, 13, 13 years. Yeah, Wow. (laughs) Uh, So what was this transition like for you? What inspired you to go vegan? What was the process like?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I was brought up vegetarian and I always had this love for animals. I just, I just adored all animals growing up. And I always thought being vegetarian, I wasn't harming any animals. And then I think I was around 13. So this is like the early days of the internet around the year two thousand. And I was reading something about um, vegetarianism and it started talking about factory farms and eggs and dairy. And I just had no idea what was happening. And I was so shocked. Um, and I went straight to my parents and I said, I want to go vegan. And the ironic thing is even though a They were vegetarian and that was quite unusual. They were completely against the idea of veganism. They were like, whoa, no, vegan, that's so extreme. You'll never get all your nutrients. So of all the things that people had told them about going vegetarian, (laughs) they thought about vegans. Um, And it was pretty unusual at the time. I didn't know any vegans in real life. And so I thought, okay, maybe it's not possible, but I always had it in the back of my head, that I was going to do it one day, probably when I went away to college um, and then I was cooking my own food. And so I, I did sort of start slowly giving things up. So I, I always say I have the longest transition to veganism of anyone. Cause it, it started when I was 13 and then I was 21 when I finally went fully vegan. <laughs> so it was a very long transition. Um, but then eventually when I was at college, I thought, okay, I can do this now. And so I did. I I love it.
0: Was it hard in college to find vegan options?
1: Yes. <laughs> I went to college in a very, very small town in Iowa. Um, so I did my first two years there. And then I went to study abroad in London. And I ended up staying in London and finishing my degree in London. But I went vegan while I was still in Iowa. And there weren't very many options. Um, I don't think, I mean, there was like a Chinese restaurant in town that had tofu and vegetable dishes. And so I kept going there. Uh, But yeah, there weren't a lot of vegan options around. But I guess it was maybe six or eight months later, I went to study abroad in London and it was like, whew, this vegan world opened up. <laughs> I, I can totally picture
0: that. People forget that uh, the UK is where this whole movement kind of exploded the first time. And uh, just, I, I, I remember the, I had gone to England several times as a kid because I have an uncle who lives in London but I, I remember sort of bits and pieces here and there. But I do remember that when I graduated high school, my my mom gave me as a gift a trip to go to London and stay with my uncle and just you know experience the city. And I remember I was completely like a complete omnivore back then. But we went on we went on this short uh, train trip to another part, uh, you know, a, a, a town outside of London. And we walked into this restaurant. And when I look at the menu, I say like, where's the meat? Where's the (laughs) meat? And he said, no, 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 this place is totally vegan. And I, I didn't, I don't remember if he said vegan, vegetarian, but it was, it was a fully uh, vegetarian menu with the most scrumptious food. And it's very weird because I, like totally thought that it was just like this weird oddball thing. And I said, wow, I, yeah, people go vegetarian. How weird is that? And then like, I look at where I ended up, but it was even back then that was in the year 2000, this place was just like right there. It was uh, near the train station and, and it's incredible how many options there are there, how many options in colleges, uh, in the UK. And I'm sure that that has changed now in the US as well, because I think college students, that's the age in which we start caring passionately about certain sort of social justice issues or animal rights. And I'm guessing that now it's much easier.
1: Yeah, I think so. My cousin is in college right now. And she does not told, ta- I mean, she's not vegan or vegetarian, but she's constantly texting me and saying, Oh, I want to make a vegan dish for dinner tonight for my friends. Can you give me a recipe? So I think it's just, yeah, part of the lifestyle in colleges now. Uh,
0: I think so. I think a lot of people are, uh, even when they aren't identifying as vegan, they include a lot of vegan dishes and vegan meals as part of their week. And it's just very common now to ask the person that would have been unthought, like you wouldn't even think years ago to ask, like, oh, do you eat meat? Are you, are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? Like, what can I cook for you? And now it's just become part of, part of life that we know that people have these different beliefs when it comes to eating. Uh, that's, that's great. So we're going to get back to that long transition I love that. I have so much to learn from that because I'm a little bit different in, in, in my personality. But first, before we head into that, I want to ask you, what did you find to be the most helpful thing when you were transitioning into a vegan
1: diet? Definitely meeting other vegans um, and having that social support. Because as I said, when I first learned about veganism around 2000, I didn't know any vegans and I just had this idea in my head that vegans were weird, (laughs) maybe a bit of this fringe thing. And then, yeah, around the time I went vegan, I did meet a few vegans at college. And so you know, I started to think, oh, they're just people who are vegan. They're not any different. And so that was really helpful to see and also to get recommendations. And then I think when I moved to London, I joined a vegan forum. This is, you know, way back in the day when forums were still <laughs> a thing on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up getting so much advice from people there. And then they had meetups every month where they just meet for cake, Um and it was amazing, yeah, just to get advice from people who've been vegan. Some of them have been vegan for decades at that point, because as we said, it's a very, very long movement in the UK. So I met yeah. people who've been vegan since the 80s, which is just mind-blowing, you know? It is
0: mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I I love that. And I think we do have sort of modern-day versions of those forums, uh, and social media is that. I think it's... I have a lot of issues with social media. My listeners know this very well about me, but one thing that is extremely positive is that you can reach out to anybody anywhere. It's easy to find people who share the same values or or the the same way of eating that you can reach out to dietitians and and take courses and do so many things can come from the search tools in social media, our social media accounts. That's the, that's the new forum, I think. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, yeah, I suppose people have been doing it for years, even pre-internet. Why do you think that sense of community is
0: important? Was it for you? Was it mainly about getting tips about how to eat, um, and and make sure you met nutrient needs? Was it about just sharing frustrations when living in a non-vegan world? What was it for you specifically that you found community and other vegans helpful?
1: I think it was both of those things. And also knowing that I wasn't alone, you know, that there was, that I wasn't the only vegan out there because that, that happened a lot, especially at that time that I go to a dinner party or something and you know I'd have to bring my own food <laughs> in a little Tupperware and I felt like the only vegan out there. So just knowing knowing other vegans, getting advice from them, getting tips about where to buy things, recipes, that kind of thing. Um and yeah, sharing frustrations as well, you know, after after one of those dinner parties, being able to meet up with them and trying lots of vegan things as well, we used to, you know, picnics and potlucks and that kind of thing, and just getting to try all the different foods that people had made, seeing the huge array of options there were, and then getting tips from people on how to recreate those dishes. It's amazing. Yeah. Love
0: it. I love it. Did you ever struggle during that transition? It it was a long one. So where were those sort of sticking points for you where you maybe uh, went back or then started up again? What were some of the struggles? So
1: I really like dessert and I was <laughs> convinced that I couldn't have cake again if I went vegan, <laughs> which is so ridiculous because there's so much amazing vegan cake out there. But at the time, especially where I was living, I never saw vegan cake in any restaurant or shop that I ever went into. And I'd had a few, I think over the years, I don't know, when I was traveling and maybe went to a vegetarian restaurant with my family and I got the vegan cake and it was always really dry and really disappointing, which absolutely isn't the case. You know, it doesn't have to be. There's so many good vegan cakes. But for some reason, I just kept getting these bad cakes. And so, yeah, I had this real sticking point around dessert because I love dessert, and I was worried I was going to have to give it up. And then someone gave me this cookbook, "Vegan Cupcakes Take Over the World." Oh my goodness, is this Isa Isa Chandra
0: Moskowitz? She's my one of my favorite vegan chefs. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. She's so good. I don't have that particular cookbook. I have many of her other cookbooks, but uh, oh, she is incredible. She will. If you make a recipe of Issa's, you will be convinced that anything can be made vegan. She is mm. just the queen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love her so much. And it was me that book that just sort of flipped me over. I made some recipes from it and I was like, this is no problem. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. That's
0: great. So sweet treats, um, that was a struggle. Any struggles in the social aspects of being vegan or when traveling, anything like that? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so common, especially people I helped transition to go vegan is the social aspect. And that, I think that was probably apart from the cake, (laughs) that was the biggest challenge, you know, going to family events, And going, Oh my God, what am I gonna eat? Um, having those conversations with people because some people would take it personally, like they thought I was trying to offend them by not eating their food, um, which I didn't mean to at all. And so, you know, you have to learn to navigate these things. And that was that was probably the biggest struggle for me. And I had this big fear around travel that I wouldn't be able to find vegan food when I traveled. And that was not the case at all. I found amazing food. And if anything, I think I ate better (laughs) while traveling after going vegan.
0: I love that. I have had that experience with travel as well. I remember one of the first trips I ever took after going vegan was to Greece. And we were traveling with my mother and father-in-law and they weren't vegan. Well, my father-in-law, let me see. He, wa- he was vegan for a time, but I don't think he was vegan during that trip. And so we weren't going to be hunting for specific vegan restaurants, although there were some in the places we were in. And we just went to regular restaurants that were on the way of the things we wanted to see, the places we wanted to see. And at every single place, I ate some of the most delicious food I've ever eaten. Greek food is very vegan friendly. Greece is very vegan friendly in general. And I know that this can vary from, you know, depending on the place you're traveling to, but in, in so many ways, I think, tell me if you agree with this, because you have more more experience in travel than I do. But when you go vegan, you, you become like this just it becomes really easy to find the options where there are seemingly no options Mm -hmm. and you can make up a very good meal in, in a restaurant that caters to omnivores.
1: Do you find that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you become more creative. Um, and I've also found that because I have to put in a bit more effort in, I mean, you don't have to, but I like to look up, things in advance and maybe have a few ideas of restaurants with vegan options um so instead of just going and sitting down at the first restaurant i find which i used to do before i was vegan and sometimes i'd end up in not the best restaurants Uh, and now i end up eating better because you know i've picked out places that look good that have good reviews that i think are going to be great and so i just end up eating better food now that i'm vegan yeah i love that I love that. Okay, let's talk about that long
0: transition. I find uh, with working with all of our students that there are so many different ways to transition into this lifestyle. Some people really need to take baby steps. Other people like need to do a ton of research before they even start on the path. And that's what makes them feel comfortable for other people. It really is just like a flip of a switch today. They are not, you know, they're omnivores tomorrow. They're going to start and they keep going and it it works. And then that same method for another person is just not even remotely possible. Uh, what do you need to transition? You've mentioned, You mentioned that you do, you did it slowly with veganism, but I don't know if that extends to every kind of transition you're going through.
1: I think research is the key for me. It's not always slow, Mm. but I love to research, (laughs) um, yeah, if I'm buying a blender, I'll read every single review about blenders that I can find just to make sure that I get the right one that I like. It's very much like my grandfather who once spent seven years researching televisions in order to oh. buy a new one.
0: Oh my goodness, <laughs> this, is this true? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I do tend to research things. Um, quite a lot, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes transitions are quick. Um, I think my, I said that I lived in Spain before, this was in 2015 and I had, um, been researching places to move from London just because of visa issues. Um, but I hadn't made any decisions and then I got some bad news about a visa being denied and I was sitting in this cafe crying <laughs> and my friend turned to me and said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to move to Spain. <laughs> and she, she was like, what, what do you mean? And then six weeks later I was in Spain. <laughs> so wow. It just happened. Yeah. But I had done a lot of research about Spain in advance. <laughs> Okay.
0: So, so research is important to you. I am, I am also, a, a, I also love doing research. I do a lot of research when it comes to things like this, making a personal change, uh, there I dig in, but when it comes to, but you mentioned the example of the blender, you and Carlos would could like geek out on that completely <laughs> because I, that's where research and I do not mix. Like, I will just Read a couple of things and I just say, okay, this one sounds okay. I'm just going to give it a try. So I think trial and error is also a part of my, of the, I don't know, the method to my madness, I guess. But I am not a person who, for whom it is easy to take things slowly. Like I, as soon as I start feeling inspired by something, I just jump in. And it has, uh, it has not always resulted in good things <laughs> because, uh, yeah, a lot more things can happen when when you're trying this, uh, this approach. Um, so in all of the years that, that you've been vegan and it's a lot, has your approach changed in any way? Uh, I don't know, has your perspective softened the way you advocate for animals, the way you write in your blog, the way you talk to non-vegans, the way you see ex-vegans. Tell me a little
1: bit about that. I think at the beginning of my journey, like so many people, I was really angry (laughs) and I thought, everyone should go vegan. Why aren't they vegan? Why aren't all these people in my life vegan? I've I've told them the things, I've shown them the videos and they're not doing anything. Um and so yeah, there was a a lot of anger there. And then over the years I've realized that's not the best way to approach things. It tends to make people shut down. and also, I've just started to see everyone as a as a potential vegan, because I've been so surprised over the years about who's gone vegan, people who I used to work with, who I thought were the last people on earth who'd ever go vegan. You know, someone who would sit next to me at the work lunch table, looking at my food going, that's so weird. I could never eat that. I could never be vegan. And then three years later, they were vegan. So I've been surprised and it's just made me think anyone could go vegan. So I try and approach it with that, but I suppose it's a much, much gentler approach. Um, I don't try to force it on anyone. I, you know, share my food, I answer questions and I kind of let them come to me. I love that. I think that that is the
0: only approach that works. I think very few people who, I think people who are already sort of taking baby steps or, or know a little bit about it are already open and they're already curious. And usually, when we're talking to someone who has either no idea or they're very attached to their meat-centered diet the approach of trying to convince them is never going to work. They are already, they already have a bit of a boundary set there. And so if it doesn't come from inside, it's just you always pushing against a wall and it's very frustrating. But I hear you when we learn about, especially when we go vegan for animal rights reasons, which is your case and my case, it is... Uh, you just want to shout it from the rooftops because you cannot believe that people don't know about this. And I think people are learning more about it, but they still don't know. They are, they, they, they have this idea that now vegan, the word vegan is in supermarkets everywhere. There's a reason for that. The treatment of animals isn't okay, but they don't really know. And when we know we want to share that. It, and it's it's very tough. It's it's a tough balance when we first go vegan, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I see that with new vegans now, and I understand. I think it's part of, part of the transition. You know, you some people have to have an angry phase, and then it passes.
0: Yeah, and I I do think that maybe there are people who need a tough love approach, and I just haven't encountered that many of them. And I just say, you know, you have to do you, you have to find your way to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. And we, we, yeah, Yeah. each person has, has, you know, their, their own way of doing it. And, Mm and, definitely when you're a new vegan oh my goodness are
1: are <laughs> you you really want that uh megaphone yeah and yeah i think we all have our own best approaches to advocating as well you know i mm-hmm. when i i think when i first went vegan i had this sense that i should be out there protesting or something i needed to be in the streets and that's that's just not me i don't really enjoy that and some people really do but i don't um and it was I don't know, years after I'd gone vegan, I was at um, a meeting and they were talking about activism and someone asked me at the end, oh, what's your vegan activism? And I said, oh no, I'm not. I'm not an activist. And then we started talking about something else. And I said something about my blog and she went, oh, you have a vegan blog. Well, you, you are an activist. It's just a different way. Yes. I I can totally relate.
0: I remember in my early days going to a protest or two. You are very, very passionate. You feel that you have to follow this kind of script almost when you first go vegan and you want to do as much as you can do. And then you start finding, I think, your own voice within within your veganism. And then things shift. I have I've never gone to a protest since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and yeah, there are definitely many other ways to advocate. And if you love going to protests and educating strangers on the street, oh my goodness, that is also very powerful. Yeah. And I know a few vegans that have gone vegan because mm-hmm. of uh, watching uh, or, or learning about things because someone
1: gave them a flyer on the street. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a, so much respect for people that are good at that. So much respect. but I'm just, I'm not good on the spot like that. I'm like, oh, huh, uh, what yeah. do I say to this stranger? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, I, I can relate. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you is, what changes have you seen in the movement in all the years you've been vegan? Because I've seen so much change in, in the years I've been vegan. Tell me a little bit about what you 've seen
1: I mean it 's amazing it 's exploded beyond anything I ever dreamed. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember having a conversation you know at the very early stages of my being journey with a vegan friend who is saying, you know, Oh, it's just a fringe thing. We'll never have more people going vegan. It's like 0.5% of the population. That's it. We're maxed out and it's just exploded in the last four or five years, you know, Like 600% rise in the number of vegans in the US and the UK. And so I've seen, yeah, a huge growth and also so much more acceptance of vegans in the wider world. You know, you see vegan options in loads of restaurants, vegan sections, in supermarkets. And I think a lot of people know the word vegan. (laughs) They didn't even know it when I first went vegan. And they, even if they aren't vegan, maybe they have an understanding and a respect for what it means, which was not the case back then. So yeah, exactly.
0: I, I, now that you mentioned it, I I agree that there has been an increase in the respect because, uh, yeah, that was not the case when I went vegan and there were, there had to be a lot more explaining to do, And now it's different people, even if they don't eat this way, they understand. And they even say like, good for you. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you. Like this is pretty cool. Like I haven't been able to
1: do it fully, but I admire this. Yeah. I had this, um, experience a couple of, I can't remember when I first met him, but I went to France to visit a friend of mine it was maybe 2011 or 2012. And we met up with a friend of hers, and she told him that I was vegan, and he had never heard the word. <laughs> and she explained, and then she said, But it's not like you think the food is amazing. And she makes me these meals, and it's so good. And she even makes her own cheese out of cashews. And he thought that was so funny. <laughs> and he started calling me <laughs> cashew cheese girl. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I didn't see him again for like seven or eight years. And I met him at a party one time. And he said, oh, you're the girl who makes the cashew cheese. And I said, yeah, that's me. And he said, I love cashew cheese now. I know I thought it was so funny back then, but now there's a vegan cheese shop in Paris and I buy their cheese all the time and I love it.
0: Everything has changed. And the cheese world maybe has been the part that has changed the most. Mm. I think cheese alternatives and meat alternatives have just exploded and they are really fantastic options. I mean, they are really high quality products that even my omnivore friends and family absolutely love. We have friends who are not vegan who are purchasing these products to kind of balance things out a little bit because they're not ready to go all the way there yet. And uh, yeah, cashew cheese is now the, uh, it's now like, oh yeah, yeah, I've had cashew cheese and that was very weird at one point. (laughs) I, I love that. Uh, what else, what else have you seen in terms of, of shifts and, and changes?
1: I think there's, well, so when I first went vegan, there was very much this sense of worries about your diet and your nutrition and what that meant. And I think a lot of people were very convinced that you were doing something bad for your health. And now I think there's much more um, of a sense of it being something even positive, um, which there wasn't. So yeah, speaking of respect, I've had people say things like, Oh, good for you for, for being vegan. And that was never the case back then. They'd say, Oh wow. Where do you get your protein? Is it even possible? And yeah, there was, there were a lot of concerns about, about getting all of your nutrients. For sure. Well, there's this ongoing joke among vegans that that is the
0: question we hear the most often. And now that I think of it, I haven't been asked where do you get your protein in years. No one has yeah. asked me that. <laughs> uh, that is the thing of the past. People know, people yeah. understand that there are plant-based sources of protein, yeah. uh, just like animal sources of protein. Mm-hmm. That's a big, big change. Mm, absolutely. What, yeah. what would you like to see change in the movement? I just, there are still things where, you know, this movement could go shifts that it could take on things it could learn from other movements. W- w- what's your take on this? Very curious.
1: I think we've talked a little bit before about ex-vegans. Um, it's a topic that I find very interesting.
0: <laughs> and
1: yeah. I think one thing I'd like to see change is the vegan movement's approach to high-profile ex-vegans because there's very much like a sort of shunning and shaming of celebrities who used to be vegan who stopped being vegan. And I think that's such an, a negative thing because I've read lots of studies about how lots of people might s- stop being vegan for a period and go back to it. It's actually very common Very for common vegans to then become vegan again. And I can only imagine if you were in that position and you're reading all these pieces about you, it would be very, you know, very disheartening, very bad for your self esteem, and then not make you want to go back because you've been so rejected. And I also think for non-vegans, it's not a great thing to project. You know, I think so puts up such a wall you no know, it's not accepting of of people at all and it is a very unusual
0: trend because i see this all the time and i've seen a lot n- not even in in high profile people but other bloggers and people who have uh maybe struggled during their veganism and have had to ha- have struggled with things like disordered eating, have ha- have had an eating disorder, need to make shifts again in the way that they eat. And they are just bombarded with this online hate that is unlike anything I have ever seen. Mm. And it is so strange that this reaction comes from people who have compassion (laughs) at the core of the reason for doing all of this. Why do you think,
1: why do you think this happens so often? I think there's partially just because there aren't that many vegans. So it it can be disheartening as a vegan to see the numbers dropping. And if it's a high profile person, even more so. But then Mm -hmm. I think there's maybe also this rejection because you know I always think oh I could never stop being vegan I can't imagine that so maybe there's you know this inability to put yourself in the person's shoes if you think it's something you would never do or maybe a fear like what what if that happens to me what if something crazy happens in my life and then I stop being vegan yeah that, that's that's interesting. So you think maybe
0: a fear of it happening to you sort of propels you to be even more against ex-vegans? That's interesting. So that the, makes sense. Psychological, psychological theory. Yeah. Psychological <laughs> theory. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I always remind people that our eating is something that sometimes fluctuates. Our uh you know the the way we go into veganism can just vary so much from person to person. We have a great number of our students who are trying it again for a second time, and that 's how they found us and that 's what this part of the journey has meant for them because they either got into this uh, way of eating in a very very restrictive way, and it did not work for them. they either developed. Deficiencies in terms of nutrients, because their diet was so restrictive, they uh just were struggling a lot emotionally because their life became restricted not because of veganism but because of additional restrictions placed upon veganism, and they just um it it just couldn't continue, and then mm. they realize that there are other ways to approach this lifestyle, and they say, hmm maybe I'll give it a second try. And very often that is the try that sticks because you've learned from all of the mistakes from the past.
1: Mm.
0: I, what would you recommend to people? Let's say you, you follow somebody on social media that you greatly admire. They are a high profile person or blogger or influencer or actress or whatever it is. They have been vegan and very vocal about it. They then decide to quit being vegan What would you say to the person that is commenting on their post or their feed or their blog post or whatever it is? What would you say that could be better?
1: To the person who's leaving the comments or... Yeah, so sort of, yeah, what would, yes, what would you say to the person
0: leaving the comment as, you know, maybe this would be a little more helpful to post to this person at this time?
1: I mean, for me, I probably wouldn't post anything, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because I think, well, like we've said, trying to tell someone what their decision should be generally doesn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess you could also post something supportive along the lines of, you know, oh, we're here for you. I'm here to help you if you decide you want to try again. You know, always willing to help kind of depends if you have a relationship with them if it's some mega big star with eight million followers they're probably not going to reach out to you for help but but yeah Mm. I would say yeah rather than jumping in with nasty comments try and remember that they're a person too at the end of the day they're reading that um I can't imagine what it's like to be a big celebrity like that but I imagine it must be so hard to read the stuff that people have written about you so try and imagine that it's someone in your life who you know and what would you say to them face to face absolutely I think that I
0: one thing that I would always include and this is what I say to friends who have maybe started on the journey decided to go back they're not ready I always say listen I'm here for you if you need me and just know that you can try this again anytime." That you are welcome back, like anytime. And also, it's not like a club that you need a, a pass for or a, mm-hmm. a ticket for. You can make changes even if you don't want to identify as vegan. You can uh I I think that when we approach people with all of this negativity, it just makes people want to have nothing to do with veganism ever again. And um, I don't think the animals would advocate like that if they could have a voice and a vote in social media, <laughs> they would just say like, yeah. do you, do your best, like do whatever you can. And this is, you know, we still need like people rooting for us. And yeah, yeah. I, 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 I totally agree with you. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: I think also for non-vegans, reading that can be really off-putting if they see a lot of vitriol coming out of vegans' mouths, you know? They think, I don't want to try going vegan.
0: Yes, they, they. oh, that's such a good point, Caitlin. If a person has received, has been on the on the other end of this online hate, and they have for sure shared this with friends and family any person who has that little vegan seed planted in their brain, and it's sort of starting to sprout, will say like, oh, so this is a place in a group of people where you cannot make a mistake, you cannot be imperfect, you have to, like, I don't know, sign a blood oath or something. And it could deter a lot of people from maybe Mm. uh, trying something that is, at least in my life, it's been one of the most special things I've ever done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Now I, I want to shift a little bit in terms of talking about transitions. You have an incredible blog. I am always, uh, logging in to see, uh, you know, what product recommendations you have to offer. I would look up cities if you had gone to cities and see what you recommended. It is So good. And we'll get to talking about it in a second. But when I met you over those delicious chocolate waffles with gorgeous Benito licking my face, (laughs) um, (laughs) your books and your blog were mostly centered around vegan travel. Uh, You were, I think maybe, we have a few vegan travel bloggers uh, as friends in common. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were definitely, I think, one of the first that I met and then came the pandemic and yeah. i imagine that a lot of transition had to take place in in that department because travel was just basically non-existent yeah. can you tell us a little bit
1: about that transition in your life if indeed you went through one yeah as you mentioned travel basically came to a standstill um yeah. And so anyone working in the travel industry kind of saw a big drop. So for a blogger, was, traffic was like whew, tanking. <laughs> Nobody needs a guide to a city if they're not going to any of those cities. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a big shock, especially because it happened so quickly that just loads of countries lock down all at once and travel overnight kind of turned into non-existence. So it ended up being a big transition for me. Um so Yeah, the my initial thought was, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Maybe it'll just be a few weeks of lockdown. We'll get under control and then everyone will be able to go back out into the world. There won't be COVID anymore. <laughs> As we know, that's not how it turned out.
0: Oh my gosh. Do you remember when we all, I, I don't know if this is your case, but I remember when we all thought this was going to
1: last a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, just stay inside for a couple of weeks and then we'll all be back to normal. (laughs) So that was my initial thought. Just hold on. But then it became clear that it, it wasn't happening and that travel would be affected for quite a while. Um, and so then I thought, okay, I'm going to change my approach a little bit. And I had a pretty big transition with my blog in the end to transition to vegan lifestyle. So they still travel in there, but it was really more an expansion. I'd stay into other areas of vegan life. Mm-hmm. So when you say vegan
0: lifestyle, what does that mean? Does that mean, uh, restaurant recommendations, product recommendations, recipes what what can we
1: find in your blog uh you can find all of all of the things you mentioned uh, cuz i actually okay. started out as a vegan recipe blog back in 2011 <laughs> before, Wow! and then i decided to transition to travel just because there's so many re- amazing recipe blogs out there like yours and like so many others and i thought i just um, I love cooking, but i didn 't feel like I was capable of producing as many amazing recipes as everyone else out there um, so yes i that's that was the first transition of my blog um, and then now i 've decided to embrace everything outside of the plate so all the other aspects of vegan lifestyle because there's so many aspects to it really and I think it's natural when we first go vegan that we think about food but after a while a lot of people start thinking about hey my shoes and oh I need to buy a new bag can I find one that's not leather so I talk about vegan fashion and even like vegan leather sofas, you know, decorating your home in a vegan way. So all of those things. And I also try to incorporate um, sustainability elements into it as well. That's really important to me. It's obviously not a vegan thing in itself, but, you know, it's part of, for me, trying to do the least harm that I can. So trying to buy things that are eco-friendly and that treat their workers well as well. I love that. I think that's so important. And
0: I think the farther along in our vegan journey we go, the more we start to incorporate all of these other aspects and, and, uh, not only in terms of the products and the furniture we buy and the shoes we buy and the clothes we buy, but in terms of that, in terms of choosing, uh, the options within the vegan options that are going to treat people with respect that are companies that might be smaller companies that are, you know, on the sustainability train and, and it, it can feel daunting if we think about all of that from the start. But once you start like taking, putting one step in front of the other, all of these options seem more natural and you start thinking about all of that. I think Making that shift within veganism where you're looking at your purchasing habits, it then kind of extends, I think. Mm, And it's great. But I definitely love that you have a full blog that can you know, where we can go and just find, you've done the research for us. You can already tell us which is the best, uh, I don't know, vegan hotel experience or (laughs) what is the best. I don't, you, you have articles on the best SPF that (laughs) will help both the environment, you know, in terms of the environment and in terms of it being vegan and cruelty-free. So all of these things that a lot of us have busy lives, we don't have time to do all of
1: the research
0: Your research oriented mind has already
1: done. Exactly. As I mentioned, I love research. I naturally do research. So I thought, why not help everyone out and do it for them? Because not everyone likes to do research as much as I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have a very geeky question. And this is just my kind of creative mind and I love writing and I love the process of creating anything from an online business to uh, anything you write, like your books or your blog. Is there, do you have a specific creative process when you are deciding what to post, what to publish, thinking and looking for ideas? Like, is there a, um, is there a, a little bit of a method there?
1: Um, sometimes, Well, quite often, it's something that I need. (laughs) So when I was going on a trip to Gran Canaria, I needed a really good SPF. (laughs) So I thought, right, I'm going to buy some sunscreen. But the more I read about it, the more I started learning about sunscreens and the ocean and how the wrong ones can damage the reefs. So, and that's very important there just because of the ecosystem of the island. Um, So I ended up doing lots of research naturally. Um, So yeah, part Part of the time, it's just something that I need and I go down the rabbit hole. So some of the time, it's something that a reader asked me. And so I end up researching that way. And sometimes it's you know, something I saw online, on Google, um, that other people were searching for, or people were asking a lot in a Facebook group or something like that.
0: That's, um, that's great. So it's really, it really is a research game when you're trying to make product recommendations or, or hotel recommendations, I guess that's, that's wonderful. I do have to give you huge props because I did a lot of digging around. I've been using your blog for many years, but I did a lot of digging when I was preparing for this interview and you have fantastic representation in the pictures that you choose oh, thank you. In, choosing, in choosing people of different races, and especially body diversity, which is not something you find in stock photos very easily. It's not easy. No, it's not easy to find. (laughs) I just have to give you like the biggest props for that. I love that about your blog. That is something that's um, so important.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I always try and look for diversity in the stock images that I put up. But as you mentioned, it it's really hard sometimes mm-hmm. to find them, especially with body image diversity, because they tend to choose um, one particular body type of model for stock images. So, yeah, you have to yeah. dig and I, I try my best. <laughs> Yeah. You you have to do some digging. I think you're
0: doing a fantastic job with that. Now let's go back to to the sense of of transitioning and this big transition you had to do in in during the pandemic and because of the pandemic. I don't know if you noticed the same thing. I also went through a big transition during the pandemic. I am now working exclusively at Brown Bowl. I used to balance it with teaching.
1: I have been a teacher for 10 years. I didn't know how you found the time to do that, Kim. I was always in <laughs> awe of you. You must have never slept. <laughs>
0: uh, oh my gosh. Uh, I did sleep because I cannot function without sleep, but it was very challenging. And now, now that I'm on this side, I don't even know how I used <laughs> to do it because now I need more time. Now I find like, oh my gosh, there's not enough time because I have all of these things. But yeah, I don't know how we did it either. But I went through that transition and it was, it was a difficult one for me. I went through a lot emotionally. And as I shared and talked to friends about it, the stories started coming up out of the woodwork for so many people. People started sharing how their cousin... Uh, got separated during the pandemic. Then I started hearing uh, stories of people moving to a different town, um, s- shifting careers, going back to school, l- leaving their marriages of many years, uh, just so many changes. And I want to hear your take on this. What is it about these big, big moments that I think maybe, I don't know, they put us, they confront us with our frailty with our humanity that we make these changes what do you think it is and and did that have any impact in your transition the transition you went through with your
1: blog yeah I was I was thinking about this when I was preparing for our our interview actually um yeah a lot of people I know have also made big big transitions um and there's this this idea of post tra- post-traumatic growth. I don't know if you've heard of it, but something yeah. that psychologists have started studying, I think relatively recently in the past few years. Um, so there's obviously, uh, PTSD, which is quite well known, um, which is obviously a very, um, s- terrible reaction to a terrible situation, that you know merits psychological support and so i think a lot of people that have faced the pandemic maybe working on the front line have experienced that and so that's one side of things that i i hope we're giving people the support that they need with Um, but then the other side is there's an idea that some people when faced with a really big trauma they don't actually know why this happens yet they're still researching it But sometimes what happens is people experience what they are now calling post-traumatic growth, um, which is yeah a period of big personal growth as a result of a traumatic situation. And so I think maybe that's what we're seeing with the pandemic, because any kind of situation like that does make you reevaluate your life. As you said, you're sort of confronting your own mortality and thinking, is this how I want my life to look? Do I want to be in this job with this partner in the city? And so it can motivate people to make big changes and to have a period of growth.
0: That is so interesting. I have not heard about this um but it definitely makes sense that you go through something difficult and then maybe you're just not the same person after that and you feel different on the inside and you sometimes need to have a change happen on the outside i've experienced this in other moments and i i i definitely can see that now that you mention this we sometimes just cannot go back and it's that that feeling of either now or never hmm. yeah do you think do you think you would have created this shift in your blog if the pandemic hadn't happened? Was there anything stirring inside of wanting to shift the perspective of your blog or the hmm. topics that you talked about in your blog, uh going from travel to lifestyle, or was it exclusively because of the situation? you
1: know, I think the situation was the catalyst, but there were already seeds. Um, so there was already a shift occurring and I became really interested in, um, sustainable and ethical fashion a few years ago. I started making, I guess, another kind of slow transition myself in terms of what I was purchasing. And I started learning a lot about it. Um I had a neighbor who wrote about ethical fashion actually. And then I ended up watching I went I went to a couple of events um that she was going to about the topic. And then I ended up watching some documentaries. And it was really eye-opening. Yeah, kind of like the transition to veganism. So I think that was kind of percolating in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sort of over the course of being vegan, as, as we we're saying, I've made um, different choices in terms of what companies I support, in terms of my own lifestyle. And so this was all in the background. And then the pandemic came. So I think that was really just the catalyst. But maybe it would have happened anyway at a different point. Yeah. I love that. I do, I hadn't seen
0: sort of that thread between all of your posts since all of this change happened. But sustainability is sort of that central cord that they all kind of, yeah, they're all hanging on. I love that so much. And I think that, oh my gosh, I would love to have you back to talk about sustainable fashion because that is something that I'm always very, Worried about. I've watched a few documentaries myself, and we definitely need to approach our consumption of other goods in a different way. It's not sustainable the way it's happening. I can also totally see that after so many years of talking about food and travel and options for eating when you travel, that you now want to explore other areas. I think we're
1: also entitled to that as creators, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And I think as as our lifestyles change, our content changes with it. And obviously I wasn't traveling, so I didn't have travel content. But also I think the pandemic made me and many other people think more about sustainability anyway. You know, we could actually see the change in the natural environment around us just based on the pandemic just going outside and so it made me think more about it and also maybe about how I might travel differently in the future and you know try to reduce the number of of plane trips and go by train places instead so i think you know the content was naturally going to change as, as i changed I I love that you
0: just said that, and we I did also start thinking in a different way when all of this happened. You could see that the sky was clearer. You could see that the pollution had sort of dissipated. You could well talk about these documentaries where they've filmed wildlife coming back into cities because there was no people there. There were no people there it really tells you how much of an impact we've had as human beings on this planet and how things might be very different if we had a lesser sort of footprint on on the earth i i i find that very inspiring i love that you said that and and i love the recent uh blog posts you've been putting out oh, thank it's you so helpful and they i don't know they just now the scope of, of the compassion is wider. How can that, I mean, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's actually just opened up so many doors to me because there's so many things I want to explore and think about and learn about. Yeah. I love that. Do you have uh,
0: any other experiences with transitions that you would like to share with us? Any resources that you find helpful, anything at all?
1: I mean, I've moved country a few times. (laughs) So that's a transition that I'm very familiar with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've moved country several times to places where I didn't know anyone, which is really scary. I don't know if you knew people in Madrid before you guys moved or, or not. Well, I was very lucky because Carlos
0: came here to do his medical residency And four of his friends who had gone to medical school with him in Venezuela had arrived here the year before, and they were all going to start medical residency kind of together. And so we we had somebody for sure. It was such a relief we had people to explain how you got your id how you had you know what what you needed in order to find uh, a place Uh, just so many small things that you experience when you are moving to a different country that it it can save you so much time and heartache to have someone teach you from their experience for sure
1: (laughs) Yeah. Was that,
0: did you, did you know, did you know people when you
1: moved? No. <laughs> yeah, the first time, so I moved to, when I first moved to London, I went with university. They didn't know yeah. anyone in London, but the university had lots of resources to help us with all the paperwork and all that stuff. And, you know, I met lots of people, obviously, at uni as well. Uh, but when I moved to Barcelona, I didn't know anyone. Uh, so it was quite the transition. Um, but I will say what got me through it was the internet, which is an amazing free resource that will show you absolutely everything you need. So whatever paperwork I needed to do, I just Google it. And there are also lots of services available to people. Yes. That's what I ended up discovering. Um, there are so many services around like in this case, it was, you know, services for expats where they would help you set things up and get all the paperwork that you need. And that's really worthwhile sometimes just to do that, to have someone to help you do those steps. Um, but yeah, the internet is my number one resource for everything. And this is totally not on the topic of veganism, but recently I've been reading about Olympians who learned their sport from YouTube. And there are several it's amazing.
0: <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is fantastic. I think that the internet is a wonderful thing. And I'm, I'm also, although I have a love hate relationship with social media, yeah. social media can be a wonderful source of inspiration and of connection. I've met some of my now closest friends through my work at Brown Bowl and just interacting and then meeting in person. And, uh, and you were one of these people. Yeah, we've met on the internet. We did. We did. We did. And uh, I just, uh, there are, mm, you have so many resources at your disposal. At your disposal through the internet. And I always remind people, whether it's you're moving to a different country or you're starting a new change and you have, for example, limited resources and you feel that courses that are online are out of your budget, or you cannot hire a registered dietitian. if you have questions about that, get a library card. Get a library card. There are fantastic books and resources through libraries both online and in terms of paper books. And you have so much out there waiting for you in terms of cookbooks that you can take out of the library and try a few recipes and then take them back and get another one. We forget that we have this incredible resource and uh, it's so helpful. And of course the internet has become the new, the new library
1: (laughs) card. (laughs) No, it is true. Nothing is the same as holding a paper book. It's not. Oh yeah. (laughs) Such a feeling. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I agree. Um, so Caitlin, tell us a little bit more about your blog, your books, uh, where people can find you, what they can find when they log on to your site.
1: So you can find my blog at the com, and there are sections there on food, travel, uh, beauty and fashion, and life, and that has all of these, um, all of the resources and guides that I've been researching for all the topics that we've been talking about—from vegan SPF to um, vegan handbags and shoes—Benito's <laughs> um, right here.
0: <laughs> he really wants to be involved. <laughs> our listeners can. Our listeners cannot see this, but Benito is on Caitlin's lap, and his he's wagging his tail right in front of. Uh, Caitlin's face is she's trying to talk. (laughs) Benito
1: just wants to be a part of the episode. So if you want to follow me on social media, you can see lots of pictures of Benito. Um, I'm on Instagram as The Vegan Word, also on Facebook and Twitter. It's also The Vegan Word, so you can find me really easily. (laughs) And I have two books, which are both about travel and we might be getting back into a world of more travel. So for anyone who maybe uh, is transitioning to vegan and they're a little bit worried about how they can travel, I have a book all about how to travel as a vegan, which is called the essential vegan travel guide. And if you Google that, you'll find it. Um, and find, you know, the nearest book fellows to you. Um, we will have sh- uh, links to all of this in the show notes, by the way, everybody. Great. Um, and then I have a second book. It's a bit more specific, but if you happen to be heading to Barcelona, I have the vegan Barcelona guide. So it's an amazing city. Yeah. Fantastic. Very vegan friendly. Absolutely.
0: And and lovely place to visit, and then you stop by Madrid and you come and visit me.
1: Um, <laughs> that's also is great for vegan food in Madrid. Oh, wow. for
0: sure, yeah, for, for sure. Madrid is is uh, fantastic in terms yeah. of vegan mecca.
1: You do a whole vegan trip around Spain. i'm Just saying, yeah, just putting the idea yes. out there for people.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Come to Spain. It is not true that it is all about the jamon <laughs> and nothing else there is a huge vegan movement happening here. Yeah, Uh, Caitlin, do you have time for one last question? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Good. So I think that one of the biggest obstacles for people when they're transitioning into veganism is thinking about the reactions of friends and family. And maybe they're already in on this journey, but they have not it has not been like well accepted uh, with friends and family and they're feeling a little bit alone and they're maybe afraid to tell and share this with colleagues with, uh, you know, when, when they have any sort of social engagements. You have two stories that I love that I want you to share to give people hope that the world is changing, that things are changing really quickly, and I want you to tell our listeners what happened in that hotel in Bucharest, and also what happened when you were looking for a flat for you and Benito in Barcelona.
1: Yeah, I mean, just amazing things that happened. Um, so I was staying in a hotel in Bucharest a few years ago, and the owner of the hotel said to me in the evening, oh, you know, breakfast is included. So how do you like your eggs? And I thought, oh, no. (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't even know what a vegan is. Um, So I said, oh, no, thank you. I don't eat eggs. So he said, oh, no problem. I'll give you milk and cereal. (laughs) And I said, actually, I'm vegan. So the milk won't work either. And he went, oh, why didn't you say that you were vegan? I eat plant-based at least three times a week as part of my training. So I'll just make you the breakfast that I have. And he made me this wonderful breakfast of um, toast with tahini and a mix of uh, nuts and seeds and some fruit. And it was just delicious. And we sat there, we ate our toast together, and he was telling me all about his um, running regime. And it was so great.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that story. What happened in Barcelona?
1: This was even more of a shock to me. Uh, So I was looking for a flat for me and Benito. And I had a day full of viewings. I think I saw 12 flats in one day. It was very intense. Um, and I just loved my current flat when I saw it, but, um, I wanted to see it a second time just to be sure. So I came back and it was just me and my future landlady. And she was telling me that she was, really worried about getting the right person for the flat because it's her daughter's flat and so she just wanted to make sure that it was a good person who would look after the flat and that was her main concern um so she wanted me to write a personal statement about why I wanted the flat and she didn't seem sure about me and I was thinking oh my god I'm, I really love the flat but I don't know what's happening here and it seems like you really have to fit the right criteria to get this place um, so as we were leaving, she said, oh, I hope you'll send me your blog. Um, can you send me the link? What's it about, by the way? And I thought, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, just, I just had this thought she might have a bad,
0: <laughs> bad reaction. <laughs> yes. To disclose or not yeah. to disclose. Is she going to <laughs> admire this or think that this is insanity? Because keep in mind that in Spain, this is a kind of a recent mm. movement. Yeah. Yeah
1: exactly so I was thinking I don't know how she's first I don't know if she'll know what it means but secondly it, it is right. so recent here I don't know if she's gonna be like oh vegan that's a bit weird now I don't want you <laughs> in my daughter's flat. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I said okay I'm gonna send you the link later and then I sent her the link and I was sitting there, you know, biting my nails thinking, oh, what's she going to say? I love the plot so much. And she immediately replied and she was so excited. She said, wow, this is amazing. My daughter and her husband and their son are vegan. Oh, they're going to be so excited when I send them the link. And and sh- she said she was vegetarian herself. So she was like, oh, I can ask you for recipes and this is amazing. Um, and I don't know if that's what tipped her over the edge to give me the flat, but Now it's my flat.
0: (laughs) I love this story. Oh my goodness. What are the odds? And also, uh, of course, I'm sure that that is one of the reasons that kind of tipped the scale Mm -hmm. in, in your favor. Yeah. Because you feel you do feel a sort of connection with other vegans. There's this thing that unites us all. It's like when you share a hobby or a sport with somebody else, you immediately have common ground. That is always helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I
0: love that. That is great. (laughs) That is just the proof that, Times
1: definitely are yeah. a changing, changing, like Bob Dylan said. And I always tell people when they're scared of disclosing that they're vegan, because I understand it's happened to me so many times, you know, especially when I was newly vegan and I wasn't sure how to tell friends and family. But even now, even now, like in situations like that, I'm thinking, oh, how should I, how, you know, should I say this? What should I say? And Yeah, I love telling people these stories because it just goes to show you might get an amazing reaction when you tell someone you're vegan.
0: Yes. Do you have any particular tips when someone is disclosing that they're vegan? Um,
1: I would say, well, we've talked before about, you know, trying not to push it on anyone. So, uh, you know, my early days of veganism, I might have... Said I was vegan and then immediately started trying to force the other person to be vegan, which isn't helpful. So just just stating it as a fact in a you know in a casual way. And if you have some food, I find it's very helpful to share your vegan food. So People love it. So if you say, Oh, actually I'm vegan, and then you give them a cookie, they'll love you.
0: So helpful to share the food because now they have um they have a visual. And uh, just a sensory thing that tells them, "Hey, this is normal food. Like I'm not living off of iceberg lettuce and tomatoes, and that's it. There is actually delicious, yummy treats, and and all of the many dishes that we can make as omnivores. We can make in their vegan versions. I love that. And I always also uh, tell my students." Address some of the typical worries that people have. I always say, if you feel more comfortable saying, listen, I just learned about what happens to animals and I'm giving this way of eating a try, that eases the moment in a second. Mm. It's not, you're not putting in front of them the fear, immediate fear that you are never again going to eat meat, dairy, or eggs, even if that is very possible that you will not eat those again. But what that tells somebody who is not familiar with this is, oh my gosh, we're never going to be able to travel again. We're never going to be able to go to a barbecue together. We're never going to be able to. And that is not the case. You will have all of these experiences in your future, but ease them into it. And you can start that by saying, listen, I'm trying. I'm not an expert. I'm giving this a try. I'm learning lots and we'll see where this takes me. It's a good way to sort of inch your way into fully, you know, having this be a part of your life, I mm-hmm. think. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so helpful. Good Caitlin, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Please know that you are welcome back anytime there are So many topics that I would love to discuss with you. I feel like I could just talk
1: to you forever.
0: (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. If you put us in a room, people, this can take hours. (laughs) I am so grateful uh, that you shared your time with us. and I'll be linking to all of Caitlin's work in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening today, everybody. Here are some takeaways from my conversation with Caitlin gaylor Unti. When going through a transition, find the way that works for you. Forget about how Tom or Amy or Jill did it. What sounds doable to you? What sounds and feels comfortable? Is it transitioning for a long period of time, taking baby steps each day? Is it doing a ton of research ahead of time? Are you a cold turkey kind of person that needs to jump in and start do you feel better doing things by trial and error or with the support of a professional no way is the best way other than your way applies to veganism and applies to any other big change in your life When going vegan, it is so important to meet other vegans and find community. You can share anything from delicious recipes and food to getting emotional support when people in your life aren't as supportive of this change you're making to having a fun travel companion or when trying new vegan restaurants near where you live. Find some vegan peeps to connect with either online or in person. If you're on this journey and you're afraid you'll never eat cake again or insert your food favorite here, find a vegan cookbook, search for a vegan version of that recipe and give some of those a try. I have yet to encounter a recipe or dish that can't be veganized in some delicious way. Veganism has been changing In leaps and bounds, there are not only countless more options at supermarkets, restaurants, hotels, airports, coffee shops than ever before, but people's understanding of what being vegan means, people's opinions and respect for sustainability and ethical choices has also changed. Imagine where we'll be 5, 10, 20 years from now. Be the voice that counteracts what often happens to ex-vegans that they are publicly shamed or attacked in online spaces empathize realize that this could be you realize that this might be a difficult moment and that the person might be struggling because they're going through something they aren't sharing be kind tell them you'll be there for them if they ever decide to try again because many people do When advocating for animals, there are so many roads. Protesting, blogging, podcasting, teaching, even just being your own lovely vegan self at a dinner party can be the spark that lights up big change. Often, the place to start is in our own need. What do we need in this movement? What did I need when I went vegan? That's how we started Bramble. and that's how Caitlin started her incredibly successful blog as well. Your own need is a powerful creative jumpstart. The internet and also a library card are great free resources to help guide the way you have access to so much information we did not have access to before. So use it, use it to your advantage in whatever transition or change you're going through. When disclosing you're vegan, know that it gets easier the more you do it. That you can say you're giving it a try to ease friends and family into it. If possible, share some great food and also know that a great, accepting and wonderful reaction might be on the other side waiting. And finally... There can be change after hard times. There can be growth and new adventures after and sometimes because of hardships. If you're going through a trying time right now, know that even when you can't see the next few steps ahead, one day the path will start appearing and all you have to do is be courageous enough to take the very first step. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Caitlin for spending this precious time with us, and I'll see you next week.